You are now listening to Failing Ads Up with your co-hosts, George Jr. Ibarra and Antonio Romero. Stay tuned. back to another episode of the Filling Ads Up podcast. My name is Antonio Romero, and with, alongside with me, as always, is... Junior Ibarra. Hello. How are you doing, Junior? I'm doing good. Today's, uh, today's Friday here, yes, uh, it so it's a, it's a busy, busy day in the real estate world. You know how it is. Yeah, man. Dude, I actually wanted to talk to you about something, because I feel like we both love soccer. Bro, did you see that Messi is leaving Barcelona? Dude, that just doesn't make sense in the in the soccer world at all. I know. It's crazy. I don't know what to think about it, honestly. It hasn't quite hit me yet. I was seeing this post. It was like he was there for, uh, he played like 17 seasons. He had like 670-something goals, 35 competitions won. Like, it's just crazy because he's so loyal to Barcelona to see him like after all these years just leave like that. Yeah, no, well, Messi and Barcelona – it's like synonymous, right? Like the, yeah. those two words. So yeah, it'll be crazy. It's a whole new decade. So it is what it is. Post-COVID world, nothing surprises me anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of crazy and you know changing up worlds and industries, do you want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today? Heck yeah! I'm so so excited to talk to these two. I've obviously talked to them here and there, you know, just uh, on the side, knowing them as entrepreneurs, but. This is a whole new way of talking to them. So it's always you find out so many more things through this podcast. So I'm super, super excited to introduce you to Zach Mefford and Ryan Swal from Coverage Direct. Hey. Uh, insurance entrepreneurs, just definitely like hard work, high integrity individuals. And I'm so excited to get to learn more about you too. So everybody say hi to Zach and Ryan. <laughs> we'll just pretend oh, like people are yeah, saying clapping right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for having us. Happy yeah, to be here. This is an uh, exciting kind of new new uh, thing for us to get on podcast. We've always kind of tried to fly under the radar a little bit and excited to see what this uh, this turns into. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we we told you guys before the show, um, and I don't know if you if you even remember this, but. You guys are actually the first guests to be on at the same exact time. What I mean by that is we usually just have three of us, right. uh, so two of us, and then obviously the guests. So you guys are the first uh, first ones to do it uh, together. Well, that, that's good news. You don't have to worry about uh, one of the two of us talking too much. <laughs> so we can transition for you. Yeah, there you go. No, heck yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to have four people too. Uh, you know, I have a business partner very similar to you two and how we run things, and uh, we did ours separately and so people will get to listen to our separate episodes but i mean i i now you know after you two doing this i'm like we need to do one together because it, it's the synergy you know and in, in, in a partnership is so important right yeah it's hard not having one without the other yes yeah. uh it works for us you know it doesn't work for everyone but for us it's uh it's it's worked out really well so let's kind of like elaborate on that how long have you guys been uh, working in a business type partnership. Well, hey, even before we do that, okay. Antonio, let's go back. Let's go back in time. So, like, I always like to kind of start from like each of you. We'll start with Zach. Uh, like, where were you born? Like, how did you grow up? What were you into? You know, oh, where'd you go to high school, college, and and essentially what brought to brought you to where you're at, where your your kind of lives collided and and, and sure. now created this this uh, all these companies. Man, that's a Okay, we're going to start. So, born in Missouri Valley, Iowa. It's a little town, um, two or 3,000, depending on the, the year. 
just north of uh, the Omaha, the Council Bluffs area, so mm -hmm. Western Iowa. Um, high school, you know, I ended up going to, I graduated from a small Christian high school, a, a class of nine, counting myself, um, Heartland Christian in Council Bluffs. And then, as you know, uh, well know that after uh, an extended period of going to junior college and trying to do some racing things, not knowing what I wanted to do, I ended up at Iowa State, which is where we've met. Uh, and that's where I met my, you know, eventual wife and, and eventually, you know, came back after a, a stint out in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and then uh, a little bit of time in Chicago, which is when I got into insurance. Ryan and I met at a company when I left Chicago, you know, moving back, trying to start a family. Um, I didn't even know what the, what the job was, to be honest with you. I showed up and I was like, I just got to get out of Chicago. I don't want to be yeah, there anymore. Yeah. Um, but I was lucky enough to work with Ryan for uh, three years at a insurance carrier, um, Nick Mick, and Professional Solutions was the broker uh, that they owned. And the joke is now that uh, two and a half of the three years we worked together, I was trying to get him to leave to start Coverage Direct. Uh, and we've been working together ever since on, on that uh, venture and other ventures for just uh, five and a half years now. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. So I didn't know that about you. I, obviously, yeah, you and I met in Iowa State, so that's cool. I didn't know you, you had a class of nine. Yeah, so, so that, yeah, yeah. How did that go from going to that to Iowa State? It's probably a separate podcast in <laughs> itself, but I um, I went to, I mean, Missouri Valley Public School is there. My my mom ended up pulling my sister to homeschool her. Okay. And she was, you know, like, hey, do you want to do, go do homeschooling as well? And I did this with Gabriella, and I was like, I love you guys, but no way. No way I'm doing that. Um, and at the time, my, my best friend was going to this small, you know, Christian high school. Actually, it was Bluss Hills Christian at the time before it uh, merged. And, you know, he's like, it's, it's cool, you know, down here, I really like it. And, you know, I, I, there was a push from my family to, to go in a different direction, and, and I, I just didn't want to homeschool. So for me, it seemed like a good opportunity, and I spent my sophomore, junior, and senior year there. Um, and then, yeah, we ended up the, one of the larger graduating classes uh, from, uh, at the time at least, uh, was the nine of us. Whoa, so, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, almost like a hybrid homeschool yeah. deal, if you will, but it's... Uh, we were very much in class, you know, and I was around other people because I'm very, as you know, I'm an um, extrovert, so staying at home just wasn't a, an option for me. So the transition to Iowa State wasn't hard because you were an extrovert yeah, or, yeah. or was it still, like, that's a lot. You go from nine to, like, there's 400 people in this <laughs> auditorium <laughs> trying to learn math. I, I don't know. I, I didn't, it wasn't a problem. I will say that um, I didn't know what I wanted to do right out of high school. You know, I mean, everyone's path, and I think a lot of their parents really pushed them, saying, you have to go to college, you have to do this. My parents didn't have that conversation with me. That wasn't a, this is something you have to do. Um, I wanted to move to Charlotte right away out of high school and actually went down there um, that, that first semester to, to try to get into motorsports. I mean, that's what I was doing. I raced during um, my entire, you know, uh, ages growing up where most people are focused on sports. When I did sports too, racing was really my thing. And... I just, it wasn't, I knew if I moved to Charlotte right out of going from that, that would have been probably a bigger adjustment. Um, so I just started taking classes at the local community college. Uh, coincidentally enough, it was an entrepreneurship program at Iowa Western that oh, wow, cool. I started with because I knew that was my other, my other passion. And that turned into, you know, okay, well, what am I going to do with this? So I did have a little bit of an adjustment there going to uh, JUCO before going up to Iowa State. And okay. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you probably speak to this as well too. It's, even though it's a bigger university, it doesn't really feel yeah. that big. Well, yeah, once you hang out with your friends, right, right. You, you get hanging out with, like, five 
four or five friends or right. ten or whatever at max. And yeah. It's not like we moved to a big city or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do it. So it didn't. It didn't feel that big. You yeah. know, it was. Uh, it wasn't that hard of a transition. Yeah. And I'm curious. So you said entrepreneurship was another one of your passions. Were you doing entrepreneurship type stuff as a young young person or like yes. yeah like yeah. what? All right. So uh, first thing I, I can remember doing is I'd actually collect things around the neighborhood and try to sell them door to door to my oh, neighbors. Nice. Um, uh, my mom remembers the story better than me. It's also a little embarrassing, but I had I'd try to find like the scariest looking bugs. And I'd sell them as garden. I was like, what? I'm not kidding you, like four or five at this time, right? Like I'm trying to literally go to my neighbor's house and say, look at this scary bug. It'll protect your house. It's a guard bug. What? <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know, I'd uh, take cash, card, uh, check. What? You know what I'm saying? No, uh, I had coin too. I didn't, well, yeah, at this time, I didn't know what a credit card was. You know, I just uh, heard it. Um, but there's just all sorts of different things. I did. They, you know how uh, kids would go and sell Christmas cards and calendars yeah. and stuff? Well, there, I forget the name of it, but there was a... Um, uh, one of those that are set up that it wasn't attached to like for your soccer team, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, no. I just literally sold things door to door, and people would always ask like, "Okay, so what? What's this for? Is this for your sports team? Is it for Boy Scouts?" I was like, "It's because I want to make money. That's what it is." Yeah, I needed something to sell, so I went out and sold those. Um, I had a paper route for three years. Uh, I had a, uh, I actually still have the sign. My mom kept it, which is awesome. So I'm gonna put it up somewhere, but. Uh, had a sports card shop when I was a kid, you know, mm-hmm. uh, called the Card Shack. We ran it out of our uh, my neighbor's basement. Wow. Uh, saw the hand-painted sign my mom helped me put together. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always had some sort of either side hustle or oh, focus on business. Smokes. That's yeah. All right, so if y'all heard that, he used to go pick up unique buds and yep. sell them across. <laughs> Man, talk about a true salesman. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You just said that you're like a pretty creative person because some of those are kind of creative there. Man, I don't know if I'd call myself creative per se. Yeah. I, I definitely was just trying to find anything I thought that had value that I could flip. Dude, that you know? awesome. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to, that's just always the way it's been. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, anything I saw is an opportunity. Picking up cans, you know, mm-hmm. and I really get that five cent uh, five cents for every can you would do in me. And that's, yeah, if I could do that, I would do that. I mean, it was just always a, a hustle. I don't, I never, it wasn't like it was like I was trying to do it to be cool. I just, yeah. I just was motivated to, to go make money. Yeah. It was like a, a challenge, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Like, oh man, that's awesome. That, that seems to be like pretty common in a lot of the people we're interviewing, you know, and the, how, how like they always came up with unique ways to make money in yeah. order, or, or always had some kind of side hustle, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, that's so cool. That's so cool. Okay. So then, after you, so you went to Chicago, didn't yep. quite like it, it sounds like. Why didn't you like Chicago? Well, I mean, simply put, I, I wasn't making the kind of money where you could enjoy Chicago the way you want to enjoy Chicago, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, it was, it, I spent more time driving to work than I felt like I, uh, I should. And I just, the people there are just not like they are, in the, you know, here around Des Moines. It just, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And at the time, you know, my wife was working a, a, a late schedule and I was working a day schedule. And so I ended up just because, you know, bored, picked up a, a job bartending, you know, at, at night just because I had nothing to do, you know. Yeah. So I'm away from my family, my friends, you know, the different things that I'm passionate about was, wasn't a lot to do. And then when you could actually go out, just super expensive when you didn't have, you know, um, yeah, the, the means to do it. So, um, but that's how I got into insurance. You know, I, I sold uh, the business that I started in North Carolina. So I couldn't convince my, at the, the time, girlfriend to come down to North Carolina. And, and I needed a job to do something to get going that. And I intentionally said, you know, I'm going to do one of the three things because I knew I could learn what I was doing in that job and then turn into starting a business again. So it was either going to be head hunting, uh, I was going to be a um, freight broker, so 3PL, 
I thought great brokering or I was going to get into insurance. And coincidentally, insurance was just the first industry to hire me. So that's uh, how I got into an insurance story. Oh, okay. So yeah. then that's where you land here. Okay, so before we get into the building of the empire here, so let's let's switch over to Ryan. So Ryan, tell us a little bit about where you were born, how you grew up, what school, you know, uh, middle school, elementary school, middle school, high school, and then college. Like, tell us a little bit about that. All right, yeah, I grew up in Northwest Iowa, so Zach and I are both kind of Western Iowa natives. I grew up in a town called Esterville, up next to Lake Okoboji, and I grew up, um, I started going to school uh, kindergarten, first grade in Esterville. We lived in town. Uh, we moved out into the country to an acreage uh, when I was in second grade. Went to a small school called Lincoln Central. I mean, it was similar to Zach's story. There were like 20 of us in a class, and by the time that school was winding down, there was 11 of us uh, in my sixth grade class. And then we consolidated back with Esterville. Mm, okay. So kind of ended up back where I started a little bit there at Esterville. Then it, when it consolidated, it was Esterville Lincoln Central High School where I graduated. Had about 120 people in my class. Um, I never liked school, which is kind of ironic because Zach calls me a book nerd all the time. I kind of am, but yeah, you are. I, I never liked school. Um, I just my senior year of high school, we had a co-op program where you could work half the day and go to school half the day. So I did that just to get out of going to school. Um, didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated. Uh, went down to visit a friend down in Iowa City. Um, got he was a freshman at University of Iowa. Really enjoyed my time down there, and I'm like, what the heck? You know, I'll just I'll just go to the University of Iowa. Why not? Let's go try that. Boo. Yeah, yeah I, know, right? that's, that's <laughs> I, I, I knew I that was coming. I, I threw that in there because yeah. Zach well, and I are huge state fans. So that's right. It's a yeah. rival school. Right. And for all of our followers out there, we have two big universities here in Iowa: the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Iowa State Cyclones. So it's one of those, uh, you know, love hate relationships. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I get down there. My sister um, was four years older than me. She went to the University of Iowa as well. So I've been there a time or two, but never really spent time there. So I mean, it was a mega culture shock. I'm four and a half hours from home. I'm in this big university, like you mentioned earlier. It's like I'm used to having like 20, 30 people in a class, and all of a sudden I'm looking around, there's like four or 500 people. And I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome, but kind of freaky at the same time. And got into college, and it was the same thing. It's like, I don't know why I'm here. Like, didn't know what my major was going to be. I liked business, but didn't know what I was going to do. And Zach loves this story. Like I, I went into my academic advisor, like into my sophomore year, and I'm like, "Hey, look, like I really want to get out of here in four years because it's pretty expensive. Even though I like it here, like I need to get out of here. So like, what what major can I have to get me out of here on time?" And they're like, "Well, based on what I've seen, you should be a sociology major." So I'm like, "Oh, cool! Now I'm a sociology major." What? That's how you decided. <laughs> that is awesome. I didn't know that story either. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I graduated. Uh, it took me four years in the summer, which was fine because it was kind of cool to hang out in Iowa City for my last summer there. Uh, graduated. It was 2003. Job market was awful. Like we were fighting over interviews at Enterprise or Rent a Car. Anybody that came to campus, like it was just like if you weren't first in, like you weren't even getting an interview. Wow. So it was the only interview I got, or I got two. I got one with Enterprise and I got one with Great America Leasing from okay. Cedar Rapids. And like, hey, you can come sell copy machines from our office up here. And I'm like, I don't think I just went through four years of college to sit in your call uh, <laughs> center and try to sell people copy machines. So it's like that's not gonna work. And then. Uh, just so happened, one of my buddies that graduated a year ahead of me uh, got a job at a 
big broker here in Des Moines called Holmes Murphy. Mm. And they're like, hey, we're looking for, um, we have some entry-level positions available. Would you ever consider that? We are hiring. And I'm like, yeah, what the heck? You know, it's I don't know anything about insurance. It sounds boring, but so does selling coffee machines. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, so there's that. So I'm like, eh, it's the less of two evils right yeah, now. <laughs> I never lived in Des Moines, at least it's a city, so there's got to be something going on. So it's like, why not? So moved over, um, started Holmes Murphy, really liked it, actually. It's like... It was a fun group of people to work with. We did a lot of different stuff. It was a social place to be. Um, I mean, insurance is kind of interesting anyway because a lot of people don't understand it. There's a lot of moving parts to it. I got exposed to a lot of different industries and things because I worked on commercial insurance. And there's just so many things. I mean, from a casino to a contractor to a company that distributed items to convenience stores. Like, I got exposed to all these different businesses. I'm like, wow, this is is pretty cool. Yeah. And so most people don't know, don't know that about insurance, how like you're literally touching almost every single industry out there. Right. Well, if you get yeah. a place like, like he was yeah. at, I mean, yeah. he, I think I think Ryan was really fortunate to be a, a broker like that because of the scale and the size and also how competitive they are. There's a lot that he probably pulled from that. Um, cause it's not, not everyone's the same way. Right. Yeah. And so it's uh there's a lot of people, it's kind of synonymous. There's guys that go there, are, you know, some of the best. Mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, yeah. So I spent two years there and then um, I got an opportunity to another broker in town, uh, LMC Insurance. It kind of a similar place. And it's like Zach mentioned, everything's super competitive in commercial insurance. Like it's kind of a doggy dog world. So like everybody's trying to like get an angle on somebody else that they can bring over. And I got an opportunity. So I'm like, hey, why not? It's like learn something new. And I mean, at the time, it's like you go into a place and it's like, I, I, the way I'm wired, it's like to absorb everything going on around me. It's like, okay, I saw how Holmes Murphy did things. I want to see how LMC does things. They're competitors. They probably don't do everything, excuse me, everything the same. It's like, I just want to learn. I want to pick up as much as I can on that. And then I spent two years there. Um, I got an opportunity to move back to my hometown, work up at a at a bank owned insurance agency and kind of be like a principal there and get in on the sales side a little bit. Um, that was great. Learned a ton there. Um, my wife didn't really, uh, adapt to Northwest Iowa culture that well <laughs> going from living in the, like the Des Moines area, having everything going on and then moving to rural Iowa. So we were up there about a year and a half, uh, then moved back to Des Moines, started at NCMIC professional solutions that Zach mentioned. I worked there about seven years. That was, I mean, the thing that kept me there was it was so interesting because I got hired into the insurance agency. I got exposed to the insurance carrier side. So then all of a sudden, like, I got to soak up and learn everything that goes on with an actual insurance company and how much different that is from being on the broker side where you're basically the sales and marketing arm on the broker side. Where when you're on the carrier side, all of a sudden you have to deal with, like, state regulators and rating filings. And when you get a claim in, you actually have to deal with that claim and, like, just getting exposed to all the different things. And then it's like, well, you have all this premium money that you're sitting on, then they had an investment company inside. So you got to learn about the investment side of things. And there's just so many things there that you could, that you could soak up and learn. It was, it, it was interesting and kept me around. And then Zach stumbled in and it was like, holy crap. And he's like, this is fun and all, but like, I don't like working for people and you shouldn't work for anybody else either. So for, <laughs> we always joke. 
two and a half of the three years we worked together was Zach selling me on the idea of going out and doing something on our own. So, I, I would go to him and I'd be like, well, what if we did this? What if we did this? He's like, no, no, not that. Not that. And I'd be like, well, are you sure? Like, I know, I really think you could, huh? Not gonna. So I gotta work. Throw some buns. So are you, yeah, guys, exactly. are you guys like yin and yang? Like, oh, absolutely. Totally. <laughs> That's how most people who know both of us will, will describe us. It's that way. I mean, we, we, we do joke about this all the time. Like, you know, Ryan's, he, um, he thinks things through a lot more than I do. He's very uh, analytical and kind of pulls things, you know, um, from all different angles. Like you said, he likes to absorb things. And sees dip- he sees a lot of different angles that I don't always initially can say what, like, I see it. Like, I, I, I don't know. Instinctually, there's, like, this gut feel, like, that's a good thing or a bad thing or whatnot. And then we'll talk through it, and he's like, well, I did notice this. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's why it was. Like, I don't always know what... Is there, but it's nice having that kind of back and forth, which it does work for the, our partnership. I've seen other people though, you know, where there's uh, two really good sales guys, you know, and then they just like are all, you know, let's do this, let's do that, and they spend all the money in the marketing and all the money, and there's nobody behind, there's no structure, making sure that things are getting done the way they were. Like they're all great at selling it, but there's no follow through, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we see it up, and then Ryan makes sure that everything that comes through is done well, and we deliver on the promises that we make, and. Everything's very uh, systematic that we have uh, at our place now because of them. So you balance each other out well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Zach said the other day, it's like, he's really good at pushing me outside of my comfort zone, and I'm really good at pulling him back when he's getting out in front of his skis a little bit. And you're like, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Like, that's a really good idea, but there's like 10 things we have to do before we go down that path. So just hold on a minute. It's, it's that jump then look mentality. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, we'll build the plane on the way down. Don't worry about it. We'll, yeah, we'll get like, there. Wait a minute. We need some wings at least here. Hold on. It's cool for me to see on a, like an outside perspective because that's how Junior and Ryan are as yep. well. They're just... Exactly what you guys are saying. It's very similar. It's why this yeah. works so well together. Yeah. You yeah. see that too. That's awesome. So what actually, it sounds like, so you were like, all right, Ryan, we need to do this. We need to do that. He's like, no, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. What, what finally got you two to say, yes, we're leaving and starting our own thing. How did that come about? Like really dive deep into that. Like what were the, what actually made everything click? Cause that's like, you know how many people talk about it and just never do it yep. in life as a whole yep. and just stay at their maybe eight to five or what? not even just eight to five, just in general, not pursue something that they're just fear of the unknown or analysis paralysis, whatever you want to call it, right? Well, that's it. Analysis paralysis it, is it. And I'll, I'll let Ryan tell you what I, I, before you do, I say, you know, the, the company you worked for really helped me out, right? I don't know. I mean, it was like a, a, a very much an assist on what they were putting them through. So I'll let them kind of tell you but uh it was when it was like yeah okay maybe we do this i was like oh, oh shit really <laughs> like we're gonna finally you know, get this all right all right yeah well yeah of course we're gonna go do this yeah we're gonna do it but it was a little uh, a little scary when we jumped yeah i mean it goes i went to i went back to school when i worked for ncmic they they helped pay for me to get my mba degree and i was, I was soaking that up while we were talking about doing this so in parallel a little bit um, the very last class I took in that program was they call it a capstone class where you do like a business simulation of doing a startup business and like going through the whole process. So like once I went through that, like everything kind of clicked and it's like, okay, we just need to do a business plan. We need to get pro forma financials set up. We need just need to lay all this out. Like we can't jump out of what we have right now without like a roadmap to know where we're going. So it's like we we spent a year and a half at least building yeah. out business plans oh, and going wow. out there idea after idea. I did idea. not know this about you guys. Yeah. Okay. We spent, it was funny, there was a Panera on Westtown 42nd and like we had our own like residence in there. Like <laughs> a few nights a week we'd hang out in there and just go over these business plans and then ideas and like 
we did this, it looks like this, and then, I mean, it, all that was fine and good. It was too much. I mean, in, in retrospect, looking back at it, because until you, like, start and until you get down the road, like, whatever you put on paper is just, like, fluff, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't regret, like, going through that exercise and having a plan, and, like, at least we knew how we were going to start, what our cash burn was going to look like. We had all that forecasted out, so we knew what our runway was. But, I mean, as far as what actually happened and the direction of our business went, it, it, it went in a lot of different directions. But it, it was, was like on paper process. was not the direction it went. No, it did not do that. Was there a lot of failure? Bump, bump, right? Failing yeah. adds up is the right. podcast. So I had to throw that in there. Would you call it failure or what would you call it? No. So that's the thing that I didn't understand about it is I don't think it's failing at all. Like if, it, if something just doesn't work, like I just, that's not the way that I, I see it. It's just okay, we learn from that, and you move on, and, and, and you just go. And so it's it's like uh, you're trying to find a combination to a lock, and you just keep trying the different ones, and I don't see, like, oh, well, that didn't work. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that wasn't the right one. Let's keep doing the next one, the next one, the next one, keep going. Because we did figure it out. I mean, it, I said this on, you know, uh, we were talking through some other entrepreneurs last week. It's like, there was never, failure wasn't an option. We, we had to figure out a way to make it work. And and so, yeah, the, the some of the ideas that we had may be considered, you know, failures, but um, I just, I never looked at it that way. I always just said like, okay, that just, that wasn't the right one. Let's on to the next, you know, because you just don't know. I like that perspective. So, so you see it as more of like, we're just figuring out the, the not effective ways of how to do something. It's like when people think of machine learning, right? They, they talk about, you know, well, machine learning is the fastest way to find, you know, this, you know, uh, way that something's going to work. Well, actually what it's really good at is finding all the ways it doesn't work, right? And I think that we are very good and very, um, you know, we, we talk about being flexible and forgiving in our culture of just like, it's okay to try a bunch of stuff and figure out what doesn't work and just learn from it and move on because in the process you're going to learn things and figure out what's, you know, what does work. And I'll say, as much as those numbers were probably way too much for us to be able, and I wouldn't want anyone else to think that you have to do that to get into it, what it did do in, in going through that exercise is, is it allowed us to very quickly pivot to understand, like, okay, we understand our overhead. We know where this, this money needs to come in and where it's going out. And so even though the money didn't come in necessarily from all the different places we thought it would, going out was pretty consistent of where it was going. So we just knew we knew how to, to, to manage that. I mean, because... Um, I have a, the other analogy I like to say is, you know, starting a business, it's like playing Monopoly because everybody wants to just put, you know, a hotel on, you know, Park Place and Boardwalk, right? But yeah. cash flow is oxygen. You have to figure out a way to manage that. And for a while, that that was, I mean, <laughs> embracing the suck is like what I like to call it because it, it, it was hard. Yeah. You did things going when we first launched. And what did your, uh, what did your families think, your spouses? And like, what did, when y'all told everyone that you were going to just go out and do this, what, I'm curious, like... What, what, what was the thought process? I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was way outside of, of my comfort zone. Like, my wife and I both came from pretty conservative blue-collar families where, I mean, the goal was to go to college, get a job, work for a really good company, save for your retirement. And when I came up with this, and we're like, hey, we're going to do this, and this is going to be great, and there's so much upside, and it's like... It was a. It put everybody in our families in kind of an uncomfortable position. They're like, like I believe you know what you're doing, and I believe that this could work, but you realize like what the risk is, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know what the risk is, but I'm also still employable. If this doesn't work at the end of the day, it's like, it's not like I didn't see like failure was never an option. Like Zach said, it's like not everything we do may work. But, I mean, even if it doesn't work, it's still not failure. Like, we did a thing, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We pivot, and do we do something else? 
But like yeah. failure was, in the, I don't think we ever used that word. Like it, it just wasn't an option. I yeah. love it. I love it. Well, and so for me, I mean, it's a little bit different. Ryan is, you know, more conservative just by nature. The way is, uh, I have worked commission only jobs, right? So what, what's the difference? You know, like you just, you know, people, one of the things that I, I, I hear a lot of people when starting a business, they, they focus on the benefits that their company provides them. Like, ah, oh, the healthcare, you know? Oh, what about my 401k? What about the vested? Whatever. It's like, go sell more. Go, you want to make up for that? Go sell more. Like that's, I don't know how to turn that part of, again, maybe it's just a, I'm just a dumb sales guy or something, you know, it doesn't, but it just, it was never an option for us to do that. And I'll tell you, as far as our families, you know, um, my, you know, my immediate family wasn't surprised and my wife, you know, thankfully, you know, we had that expectation. I, when I moved and sold the business I had in Charlotte to come to Chicago, I, I told her those are the three things I want to go into because I want to get that business again. And, and I'd already had a side hustle at the time, you know, so she knew that that was coming. Um, I, I don't think it helped that her dad had also been an entrepreneur at a certain point in his life. So she saw the, this is what it looks like when you start and this is how hard it is for a while. And then this is the benefit uh, after things, you know, work and it's not guaranteed, but you know, we understood the risk. Right. And, uh, she put up with a lot. Uh, I, I feel looking back and thinking about it, it's like, man, I, I don't know how much I'd want to go through all that again or whatnot, but at the time you don't realize that that's how bad it is because you don't know any different, you yeah. know? Um, but it was, it was tougher and I, you know, uh, so thankful that she just was really patient supporting that entire time. Because if you go home to someone who's not that, that's tough, but that, you know, it's, it's, you're already hard enough on yourself. You're already struggling as much as you can get things going. And if you, uh, around that type of a, you know, spouse, I can imagine be really hard. So I was very thankful that that's not, that wasn't my experience. And she really was a lot of the reason why we were able to continue to focus on doing the things we did to, to, to get where we're at. Yeah. No, so, I mean, these guys are, are sharing a lot of insight here. For all of you that are, all of our followers are out there right in 20 and are maybe, like, scared to make the jump, right? And just, you know, I can relate to that, too. It's just, like, there is a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. And every once in a while, same, I had some, both sides of the equation. Uh, the, the, the Zach, the, you know, the supportive uh, family, like, go, go for it. And then the other one's like, yo, you're like the first United States university graduate. You should be working and get a job yeah. and re- save for retirement. And so the, the questioning, the potential doubt, which is, it's okay. That's 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 what they know. Right? Well, especially as, you know, as an engineer as well, right? It's yeah. not like you were a sociology major or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you actually had like a way to make money. Like I just had a way to like look at people and stuff. So. <laughs> your your degree was very applicable to making good money and doing things. That's so. funny, but no, it helped. like you know. So I like it. So like it just adding that 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 perspective, those insights. It's like you know. I like you you guys are throwing a whole different spin to like this whole quote unquote fail, you know, more so like figuring out ways of not to do things. Like mm-hmm. I really like how you're doing that, you know. So for all of our followers out there, that's that's super cool how they're saying that and and don't be afraid, uh, you know, and and this is kind of one of the reasons how this podcast kind of came about is 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 interviewing or getting to know people, hearing these kinds of stories just like this mm-hmm. for those that are maybe just it's that one little nudge that gets them to, you know what? I'm going to figure out a bunch of ways of how not to do things yeah. and I'm going to go for it. Yeah. So the, the, um, the other thing that it just it dawned on me when we were saying that too is, and, and he doesn't like any credit for this one. I want to get to anyway, but my father-in-law put a, uh, a thought into my mind when I was going to do this that really made a lot of sense because 
Think of the opportunity cost if you don't. Right. Right. So he said, he said, look at this as a five-year deal. There's risk if you stay at your job and do what you're doing and build this out or whatever, right? Uh, and there's risk if you go. And so which five-year version of yourself or five-year version of where you want to be in your life at that moment makes the most sense, right? If you if you go out and fail right now, are you going to feel like, oh, I wish I would have stayed because I would have had all these different things and that's more important to you? Or is it the other way around? And, and for us specifically, the company that we worked for, this was the, the, the agency before we started this, has been acquired, what, twice now? And so, so like, what would my five-year look like then as a producer? I've been working for two different potential bosses, right? At that different spot. So it was that really less risky by controlling what I could do myself to go out there and, and create the kind of life that I want to have? Or was I actually taking more risk by staying in what seemed comfortable but letting somebody else control, you know, where my life's going? So that's 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 freaking powerful. Everything you just said there, I we're gonna go back. We're gonna take that like we're clipping 10, that. 15 second clip right there and using that because that is very powerful what your father-in-law just stated there. But he was right, you know, yeah. and I thank him so much for that all the time, and I think, uh, I don't know if he understood in the moment how much that meant, but I just hadn't looked at it from that perspective, and it, and it really is true. I mean, you you literally, you're, in my mind, again, I just want to be in control of my own fate and what I can do, so if I'm letting somebody else control that for me, and like, I don't, I actually, I think there's more risk in that than there is going out and doing your own thing. Yeah, the other thing you have to keep in mind too is like when you go out and start something and you build something, you learn so much. So even if you do something and it doesn't work out, you're going to have life experience that you would have never had any other way. And when you go talk to someone and you say, hey, yeah, you know, I went out and did my own thing for six months and it didn't work out. You're going to have so much credibility with that person. Be like, wow, you were willing to take on that risk and go do that. Like you're so much more employable at that point, too, because you have that skill set no one else has. Totally yeah. agree. That's so awesome. So tell us, how did the name Coverage Direct come about and what, <laughs> like, tell us about those first, like, two, oh, three man. years of how you established <laughs> what Coverage Direct was, you know, and how it transitioned to what it is now. Like, tell, really dive into that now. Do you know this story? Is that why you brought this up? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know somewhat, but I don't know the details. And, and it's so cool how this kind of environment, like, brings out, like, some additional details. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, worked for a company that had the direct part of the name uh, in it when I first started in insurance. So I always liked that name because what it, what it sold was an idea of, like, you could do it direct through different channels, right? So when we look at the company... Uh, an agency we worked for, they you know control a large portion of some um, professional liability insurance. And so like you do this all across the country. So direct uh, more or less focused on the technology side that we really wanted to to uh, bring into the space. We knew there was a problem, we knew there were solutions. We didn't quite understand why those solutions had been implemented before. Um, but that's where the, the direct part came from. So we really focused on direct first. That's why I started with it. And then we look, you know, insurance direct and uh, it was a policy direct, and we throw all these different things, and we're literally on GoDaddy, like, okay, we see the domain name first, and if we get that, then well, we get it. I mean, backing up a little bit, too, our first idea, or one of our, our, we narrowed it down to two ideas, and the first one was to do workers' compensation insurance only, and just become, like, the place to go for work comp, and then the second one was to create more of the, of the traditional insurance agency model, so that's where we were kind of whittling it down a little bit to the on the name piece of which direction that sure. we're going to go. Yeah, no, that's true. And the comp thing probably still, I mean, it is a good idea. We have a buddy of ours who ended up doing it, so it's cool. Um, but then when we did decide finally to just say, look, the, the, the comp thing's a good idea. Let's let's maybe have a second version of doing that. We were already thinking of it at that point. 
but this gives us a lot more uh, opportunity if one of the lines of business that we want to sell, because even then we didn't know if we were just going to do commercial or personal lines, right? So um, once we decided on that, the name that came across was Coverage Direct. It's like, oh, I really like that, but it was uh, it was thirty five hundred dollars or something. Like that. Yeah, three thousand. Oh, wow. Okay. Com was at that point, right? And um, and this is again, like, I think about where we're at. We're like, we're, we're pretty sure we're going to do this, but we're not one hundred percent sure. So if I buy a three thirty five hundred dollar known uh, domain name, it's kind of a big purchase. If it's a twelve dollar one, we decide not to do it. It's not a big deal, right? Yeah. And so coverage represented the, uh, what we believe still is the best way to buy insurance, which is through an independent agency. So we're really focused on coverage, but doing it more of a direct sales and service model. So, you know, the Amazon experience, if you will, right? That's, that was kind of the idea. Uh, and then we couldn't find a different name and kept going back to it, kept going back to it. And it was, uh, it was one night that I, at the time, uh, was very much into craft beers. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so much anymore, and I uh, it was probably a couple IPAs in that night, and I just decided I, I'm just gonna buy it. And I told I text Ryan, and I was like, I'm just gonna do it. I'm just pull the trigger. So I went out and scrapped my credit card. And I you know set it all up, and and, and it just we gone to bed that night. Woke up and I was like, oh, man, what did I do? <laughs> Why did I buy that? Ryan, did you have a couple beers in you when no. you got that text? I got a text. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? He's like, we didn't, we didn't commit to this yet. It's like 3,500 bucks. Oh, wow. <laughs> the, the, the best part about that whole thing is at the time when we had run this through, there is a, um, there's an agency in Fort Worth, Texas that went with CoverageDirect.net because it was cheaper right, yeah. to be able to do it. Uh, and, and he showed up at our office one day. What? Yeah, he has family in Iowa. He, he came up here and shows oh. up. And it's just Ryan and I in this little 700 square foot office, and this guy comes in. He's a big personality. He's like, "Hey, oh, boys, at CoverageDirect.com." Huh? I said, "Well, I'm, I'm Jim. I'm with CoverageDirect.net." Ryan, I'm like, "We're getting sued." Yeah, like, "Oh so man, well. we're so getting sued right now." <laughs> and, you know, I was like, "This guy's gonna either like, you know, whoop our butts or something." You know, like, what is it? And he could not have been a nicer guy. It's like one of our favorite stories. We still actually. I've kept in touch with him, and he um, he became one of the first subscribers of our, our other platform that we focus on with the different, wow, one, that's so cool. our different line of business. So, Such a small world. Yeah, he just wanted some uh, some swag. He yeah, covers direct swag. Yeah. <laughs> and he gave us a hard time for spending too much money on a domain name. <laughs> that's awesome. So you got the domain, and then what what were the like some of the staple uh, movements you guys did to? Because you guys like for all of you that don't know. It went, I remember talking to Zach and Ryan when, you know, they first started, because we almost started right around the same time with yeah. our companies, and they went from, like, just them two to, like, boom, just amazing growth, so fast. So, how did that all happen so quickly? Well, I feel like, because of the name of the podcast, I feel like there's a story in there that needs to be to be told, because, I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, the big picture is that we, we just refined the different types of coverages we wanted to sell, and, you know, focus on commercial first, because it there was more premium and a way to keep the lights on um, and eventually went to more what we call like transactional type of, uh, of, of business so we could scale it because we didn't want to be something that was just offered in Iowa. Um, but I think the thing that, again, for this, you know, this podcast, we, uh, we, we had our initial investor pull out four months into oh, starting wow. Coverage <laughs> How do you handle that? Uh, well, luckily, he's a great guy and gave us a little bit of a, a landing, uh, or runway, I should say, to, to, to buy him out. But, you know, we go four months in, and, he, and we just are not hitting anywhere near the project. That's, that's the point. Like, none of the stuff we put on paper actually happened the way that <laughs> thought it would. And he brought us into his office. Like, boys, I like you. I think you're going to be successful. It doesn't change how I feel about you, but I just, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. You know, he's very direct, right to the point, and we just sit and it's like, okay. 
know what we're going to do, but we got to figure it out. So he just uh, gave us a few months and said, got to, at this time, he's like, you're going to buy me out for this or, uh, you know, I'm going to sell off whatever assets I have because he controlled, you know, basically the whole company at that point. He was just our investor, you know, so. Wow. Um, yeah, it was. Four uh, months in, that's, that's, wow. A lot, yes. of, lot of sleepless nights. Yes, I bet. Yeah, but we did it. It felt like a huge failure then. I mean, and it was to some degree because, I mean, we didn't we didn't live up to what we told him, right? So we failed to meet our we failed to meet his expectations. So when you come back to failure, that's what it was at that point. And then, but what it does, I mean, it forces you to dig deep. You either give up at that point and go away, or you dig deep, find a way, and keep moving. And that's what we did. The hard part, the hardest part of that whole deal was that we spent, we lost two or three months of times when we could have been selling things and building our business and going around uh, talking to every banker we could find, every person we could find that had money that could get us through the next patch of what we had to get to. So it, it we had to refocus, we had to learn and focus a lot more on fundraising than we did on growing our business. So that set us back a little bit. But I mean, it is all part of the learning game, and, but we learned a lot from that and it, it carried forward. In hindsight, I mean, it really was one of the best things that ever happened to us, right? But the thing I just remember, he was talking about the failing media's expectations. Like, he was one of our best commercial accounts that we had had, you know, that helped us get going. And so, but outside of that, he just was a, the, re, the reason he became um, the investor is because we just went to him with the idea and wanted his opinion because we respected who he was as an entrepreneur. We didn't go there asking for his money initially. He, he We left with him saying, what do I need to do to help you boys get where you want to go, right? Because that was really important to him because he wanted to help us. And I just, kind of like, I don't know, you feel like you're letting, it's not, he wasn't like a father figure or anything, but you're just letting somebody that you respect down and it feels really, it just sucked because I was already, I was already hard enough on myself and I feel like I was selling to the point that, that we, that we should be. Um, but that really had a lot to do with the other parts of the business that didn't just, it didn't happen in a fast enough time. We had one carrier that we could sell with for like the first, you know, few months I can't, you know, the independent channel is built around having a bunch of different options and we only had one. It was, it was really hard. We had two people, you know, we had families, you know, um, you know that, that my wife had just found out she was pregnant with our second child, you know, and we were limited in funds outside of what we were providing both Ryan and I, which was the expectation going in and we didn't want to let them down. Right. And so it just, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a good time. And I'll tell you that the months between, you know, uh, it was in August because I remember it was a state fair still, so about this time. Yeah. You know, that's a fun story. Yeah, we won't get into yeah. that story yeah. on the podcast, but yeah. Yeah. maybe yeah. another time. Yeah. yeah, maybe a different, <laughs> maybe a different <laughs> story. Second visit. Yeah, we give Brian a hard time and that, not me so much. Uh, that, that's when we bring the craft beers. On. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Well, mine, Ryan's might be a margarita. I don't know. <laughs> that's that story. I'll, 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 I'll join you. I'll join you. Uh, so, uh, probably six months, right? From that point that it took for us to figure out a plan and it was literally like i mean they, we could not have been more leveraged there was money to pull from anything or any way we could do it um there was you know we even got to the point where we did still didn't have enough and found one banker i'm, I'm not even it was like 15 different meetings with bankers that we had, had that just didn't go anywhere and then um one guy you know he was just uh, unique enough or uh, dumb enough to give us a shot, right? And said, uh, you know, if we could find some sort of collateral, boys will do this. And so we ended up having to go and, um, I, you know, talk about it, talk to my parents and said, hey, look, I, I, you have equity in your house. I don't know what else to do and I'm not going to let you down. we got to go do this. And and uh, and they did. They gave me the opportunity, or us the opportunity to do that. And um, we've since, you know, made that whole and good again, right? Which is which is uh, a huge relief because that's, 
then you're really in a bad spot, right? Like not only do you ruin your life and someone else's life as your business partner, but then you bring your parents into it and like that's not that's not what you wanted to do. So, um, but it did, it did the long term uh, effects of that were just the best things that ever happened to us because it, it was. I mean, if it, if it was, if it was that simple, everybody would do it, right? right. Like nothing goes like, like you guys keep referencing how it, you put it on paper. In the entrepreneurship, or even not even entrepreneurship, just in life in general. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> well, COVID. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who knows what's gonna happen, right? Like, yeah. Whose business plan had that uh, yeah. global pandemic built into it, right? And it's you gotta like that's one of the biggest things, and it sounds like y'all had to do it within four months is learning how to pivot mm-hmm. uh, in an industry, in any industry, doesn't matter what you're in, right? It's just learning how to pivot and trusting your team that you're gonna make it through it, you're gonna dig deep, as Ryan was saying, like in order to come out of it. And it, that kind of that really shows your your core values, your your you know, who you two are <laughs> to be able to come out of that that you know, four months, not too many people experience it that quickly, right? right. Everyone experiences it who's an entrepreneur or just in life in general, but and then in a journey you're like you know no one tells you that, hey, there's gonna be these times where you're gonna hit like ground floor. Right, yeah. and it's like, are you getting back up, or are you just gonna stay down for the count? I, I think that's it's a really good point. It's uh, I think grit, right, is the word that people use to describe uh, people who get th- get through that. But I mean, when I say like embrace the suck, is what I said. I mean months, like literally months, and it was really years. But those, those specific six months that we had, I mean, it was really tough, man. There wasn't a there were times where the two of us just were not happy to be in there and and, and cold calling and trying to make connections and just pleading for anybody to give us any piece of business to get things rolling. I mean, it's just, I think the, uh, the, the one thing I'll say is because I'm all for entrepreneurship, you have to go into it with the expectation that that's going to be that hard and it's going to be harder than anything you've ever done. And I mean that it is, but it's worth it. You know, you just got to keep moving forward and no matter how hard it seems, you can't stop. So like I said, failure wasn't, wasn't an option. We were just going to keep going until we either die or. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys like, either individually or together have like a habit or something that you guys did to power you through those those uh, days and moments when it was that tough? Well, I don't I don't think it was anything formal, but if we wouldn't have, if, if I was doing it by myself, I would have given up. Like, it's so easy to give up when you're like, if you don't have that accountability, that other person or that other person's like, you might be having a really bad day and they're the person's like, hey man, like, just go home and like let it go and come back tomorrow. We'll be fine. Like, you don't have that sounding board or somebody else with you. That'd be really, really tough. It, it, I, I would agree. There, there were there were days where you know again I don't know if I would have got to the point where I was like I definitely not do it, but there were days where I left feeling so dejected. And then Ryan would say something and it'd be like, okay, it's fine. Tomorrow's a different day. We're gonna get after this. We're gonna do it again, and, and we're gonna figure it out. So uh, there was like some sense of. Uh, security is not the right word, but just like comfort knowing that I wasn't just by myself trying to figure out how to do this. Um, because yeah, I, don't, I can't think of anything in particular that we did is like so. But I but I will say there, there is a bit of a um, uh, what do you say like a side effect of, of that. We we don't do a very good job of celebrating our wins anymore because I still think that there's some sort of that fear where deep down that we we don't ever want to be in that position again. Right. So we always want to keep pushing, pushing, and pushing because we're just, uh, at least for me, I'm just terrified to, to ever get back to that spot, right? So I, I think it's hard to celebrate things because you always feel like you need to do more, do more, mm-hmm. you know? Plus it's, uh, yeah, I, and like, kind of, I relate to you in that in that manner too, but it's also like, uh, 
not just the fear of hitting rock bottom, because I've been there too, where I'm like, I was doing so well, and then all of a sudden I'm like, how do they sell that many houses? I have zero dollars in my bank account, yeah. right? Like what? <laughs> you know, because you're reinvesting it all and right. re-leveraging or doing this and that. But also, you know, now to the point like you, like the growth aspect, there's that one component of not wanting to go rock bottom again. Uh, but also there's that uh, just, well, I'm, I don't know about you two, but it's like, if I'm not growing, then what am I doing? Like, yeah. am, am I, I'm not the type to go home and just be like, well, Netflix is what I'm, you know, going to do or play Xbox. Right. Like, 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 it's like, what's next? It's yeah. like, what's next? Like, like, that's all where my mind goes, right? I don't know. You know, it feels like, satisfying. Yeah. Well, it's a high. I mean, let's be honest, that's what it is, right? You're going after that rush and that thrill, you're going to do it. And if you don't have that, it's like, you know, you, you got to find it somewhere, right? And so, and some people, you know, have hobbies that they get that from, you know, and like, to some extent, like when I was racing, that, that was it. But we were, you know, I was giving myself a hard time. I was like, I don't have hobbies. And I was just like, well, what would you do if you were trying to find a way to relax? Like, start a side hustle? I don't know. I don't know what to, I just enjoy it that much. The thrill of, you know, fixing a problem or chasing something and, you know, finding a way, a, a new angle at it or whatnot. But um, I get that, you know, that and just like not letting people down too. is just that. Uh... <laughs> well, and now it's like, uh, also it's so cool. Like, you know, Antonio, like he's the one that came up with this concept. So like in this new world of networking and meeting people, you get to meet so many cool people. You're like, you know what? I want to take a little piece of his life and incorporate it in my life. Or just even just the fact that I got to meet this person is, is changing my life or this or that. Or being able to, for the people in our organizations, right, to be able to like, oh my God, we can help them change their legacies in some form or manner. Yeah. Also, it's kind of, you know, something, it feels good. Like you say, maybe that high, I don't know what it is. It is yeah, well, uh, yeah, and there's like this fine line of like someone, I've always, it's like I said, when we started, it was really intentional to fly with the radar because I didn't want to be a part of anything or talk about different things because there's so many... Uh, People don't feel like um, it's going to come across wrong, maybe to some people. I'm sorry if you're offended by it. Well, not really, but uh, they don't have enough clout to like try to be the influencers that they are, and it drives me nuts to see that. So I didn't want to be a part of any of that. Like I'm going to get back, so I really felt like I had tangible things to give back. I want to be able to do it. Now that's just for me, and, I, and to me, I felt like I had to be at a certain level before I could start talking about those things, and you know, have the things I could show. This is how they were done. But you know, I was part of the entrepreneurship club at Iowa State. You know, I was up there. And, I never reached out. I didn't want to be a part of it. And finally, something came up where I felt like I'd really like to be a part of that because I want to go talk to me in that you know position and tell them what it went through to go from having a junk business to you know doing real estate. Or, well, I did do the real estate licensing side of it, but not uh, to the extent you did. And then getting to like, okay, I found it. It's, it's insurance. I don't know how that would have ever been something I would have reached out for or looked to, to get into to start, but by keeping, you know, moving forward, you eventually find out what that is. Well, and I like how you said it, like you wanted to get to a point where it, it's not, you weren't just talking the talk, like right. you've walked the walk. Yeah. So. Well, the other thing too is, I mean, this, this is the thing that, uh, I think it was a humble roots, if you will, and I don't know what you know about the, the jump world side, but that's not a sexy business. That's not something that's really cool. When I was around all those people in college and seeing what they were wanting to do, you know, they like had this tech idea or they had this new way of fixing whatever. Like nobody was talking about like being a, a junk removal guy or pressure washing houses or whatever it is. I mean, it doesn't have to be the sexiest, most, you know, uh, you know, my a world changing type of business to eventually get to a place where there's another business down the road that you've learned from that business. And it's like a stepping stone to get to the next one. It's the same thing with side hustles, right? They just, you just keep learning. So 
Um, I wanted to talk to that kid because I, I was that guy in that, in that class where I was like, I'm not this smart. I don't know how to do all of these things that, you know, these people are talking about and, you know, didn't have to be either. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. So now that uh, we like, so coverage direct initially, you know, it sounds like, Hey, weren't really meeting those sales quotas and this and that you even had an investor back out and it's been four months. That's crazy. And you guys were able to problem solve through all of that, figure out ways of not to do things. Where is coverage direct now? And where is it going? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it goes, we laugh because I mean, it, if you'd asked us five years ago what Coverage Direct would be today, it's not what Coverage Direct is today. It's like, what Zach mentioned, once you get down the road, you start seeing all these other problems and all these other things you can do and solve. And we gravitated a little more towards technology than we ever thought we would. Like we thought we were gonna embrace technology and make a technology focused agency. We never dreamt in a million years we'd be writing software and doing stuff like that to help the space. It's like, but that's what it morphed into and that's where the opportunity was. Yeah, I think uh, Ryan, Ryan was, you know, he, again, he's, glad I said before, he's a super sharp guy and, and, and really took what we learned at the carrier level and seen what it was like to attach to an affinity. And so instead of trying to go after every single little small account and trying to do things that everyone else is doing, it's like, what can we do to kind of, you know, hitch this technology that we have to, to a bigger affinity, like a wagon? Um, and, that's, and that's what we've done. So we, you know, Coverage Direct now has turned into is no longer a direct-to-consumer sales agency. You know, it's a, it's a platform. So we incorporated and built out and have proprietary workflows and uh, programs that allow us to more efficiently serve and sell to the uh, independent insurance agency space. And even doing that, you know, Ryan's really run, run with that side of our house. It's, uh, we, we learned things in developing that that created opportunities in, in more niche type uh, uh, products. So, you know, we have another new um, entity that we just launched here uh, not too long ago called Zip Bonds because we found that the, the process of writing, you know, surety bonds, whether they be commercial or contract, was more complicated than it needed to be. Uh, and there was some room for competition and, and solving problems that we had. So, you know, I've been, I've been leaving that front for us and Ryan's really been taking off and helping getting, uh, nurturing the, the financial institution space for, for Coverage Direct. That's awesome. So, so then what do you, where do you see uh, Coverage Direct here in the next five years? Cool. Loaded question. Yeah, I mean, it, like we said, I mean, well, whatever we tell you right now, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, or at least kind of deep down, I hope it doesn't happen because I mean, I hope we just keep morphing and changing and letting it be what it's going to be. But I mean, ideally, I think I see us partnered with several financial institutions, and we just keep our our so-called rinse and repeat model going, where we keep creating agencies for financial institutions. And the, the better we get at it, the more efficient it is, the more profitable it is. And, and you can scale things like that. I mean, when you get into institutions with hundreds of thousands of members, like the, you can do the math on that and the numbers just make sense. Where if you're trying to walk down the street and knock on everybody's door, like that, that way of doing business isn't, isn't going to be around forever. You have to find ways to scale. And that's what we're focused on. And, and as of right now, that's the way I see us scaling our business. You're providing solutions for those 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 structures that don't have it, right? For the insurance world. Yeah, well, so. and, and even for those that do. I mean, the, the process is so much more efficient. And really, um, whether you're in a large financial institution or you're just a small agency down the street, there's 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 a limited amount of technology that's out there that's solving the problems that, that we were running into. So, uh, you know, when you say where coverage is going, I think it just continues to evolve and attack, run at problems as fast as we can to fix them. 
and, and have one of the, the you know, best in class platforms overall. We just happen to focus in that space. Um, does that mean that's the only space we're ever going to focus on? I don't know. You know, I just will, we'll see. Right now, we felt like uh, we found a really good home for what we do. We, we like the partners that uh, we have and are working with and, and want to continue to, to, to just do that. Awesome. And so for our followers that don't, you know, maybe don't quite follow what they're saying, like just to, I know a little bit about it just because I've, I've known these guys. So, uh, you know, uh, the what they're talking about is, you know, there's certain like, we can call it like a credit union might not have insurance products or they may offer insurance product, but they don't offer them effectively or, or provide the servicing that they, the consumer wants. Right. And so they, they, they help facilitate all of that and partner up with those financial institutions to be able to l deliver those products and services to the, to the end consumer. Right. That's exactly right. And so, so there you have it. So for any of you followers out there that maybe are part of a credit union or, or are in the credit union world or, you know, or in the officer, component of the credit union world and looking for those kinds of solutions these guys right here with coverage direct they they have that so uh definitely give them a shout and with that being said kind of uh rounding out the, the episode here uh where where can where can the followers like see what you guys are doing do you have social media profiles any shout outs you guys want to give to yeah. some of your people out there uh where, where where can people find you yeah so uh obviously coveragedirect.com is going to be the easiest way to find us on our website but i'd say I engage with most people, uh, whether it be in business and or just uh, back and forth sports, racing, that kind of stuff on Twitter. So my handle is at Zach Mefford, Z-A-C-H-M-E-F-F-E-R-D. Um, you can find me on Facebook, too. I don't I don't get on there as much as I, as I used to, and I don't do uh, like Instagram or anything else LinkedIn. like that. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so yeah, I have a LinkedIn profile, but I, I just, um, I don't find that that platform is as yeah. engaging as yeah, it yeah. is with, with Twitter, because I can, I can be more me, right? So yeah. I have a lot more fun there. So if somebody really wants to engage, that's probably the best place to find me. Heck yeah. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, I probably use LinkedIn a little more than Zach does, okay. but uh, that's where I engage most of the time. Also on Twitter, uh, don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, but yeah, I mean... My name's not the most common, so you, you can find me pretty easily out there. There we go. Well, we'll have that all posted, too, below in our podcast uh, information. And, and Antonio, what else we got? What do, what do we got coming down the line? Yeah, uh, we're pretty excited here because we're going to be interviewing a few other people um, from our team here. So giving some insight on you know how they have built their real estate business here in Des Moines. Um, as well as a few other people that we got lined up. So yeah, we even have uh, someone who started a hot sauce company that's oh, all yeah. over the country now, right? So yeah, and then some other uh, franchisees that have opened up here in Iowa, and uh, some athletes that are that are nationally recognized as well that will be joining us. So stay tuned. Um, as usual, you can find us on. Uh, on the podcast and uh, what else do we have now we have I think TikTok and we're gonna have Facebook we got it all so at failing ads up just uh, Google it and you'll you'll find all of our platforms yeah on. so we're on all the major platforms like Junior said it's just gonna be filling ads up um, a few of them might be filling ads up podcasts um, so you should be able to find that pretty easily um, and we'll kind of just leave it at that for today. Yeah, let's go. Let's get after it. Hey, thanks again, you two, for joining us on this. This is a lot of fun, and we'll do it again here in the near future, like you said, over those craft beers. And we'll, talk, we'll talk about what happened at the state fair. Whatever that's <laughs> right. so, all right, well, cool. Thanks for having us. This is fun. Thank you so much. Awesome. Bye, everyone. See you next time. Next time. Thanks for tuning in with us on this episode of Failing Ads Up. Till next time.